from Coimbra to Colombia, from Morocco to Miami. We tell the stories of the people who make the world of international law and business turn. We give glimpses into their lives and provide insights from their experience. These accounts come from every sector and every industry around the globe. Simply put, without further ado, I am Chris Campbell, and you're listening to Tales of the Tribunal, where practice meets personality. Hello and welcome back to Tales of the Tribunal. Listen, Team T.O.T., this week is a very special and very important episode for the show for a few reasons. First, as of Saturday, May 22nd, Tales of the Tribunal has passed 10,000 downloads. When we first started, now over two years ago, I never would have thought that the show would grow and develop into all that it's become. So, from the very bottom of my heart, thank you. Each and every one of you for being with us through three seasons of the show, for supporting our projects and initiatives. We simply could not have done it without you, and I look forward to bringing you more and better content in the future. Second, and on that note, we want to keep the momentum going right along on to 20,000 and beyond. Okay, easy. Tell your friends, colleagues, mentees, mentors, anyone you can think of that might be interested about the show and to check out our website, talesofthetribunal.com and to please hit us up on LinkedIn at Tales of the Tribunal. You've heard me say that a lot now. If you've already done all that, then please, please, please take 90 seconds rate and leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice it gives us that boost to keep on growing and it helps us bring more members onto team tot and finally hold on let me grab a a drink (sighs) sorry about that just wanted to grab a sip of one of my favorite drinks digital coffee or tea whichever works Speaking of digital coffee, this week's guest knows a thing or two about brewing digital coffee as she serves it up regularly on LinkedIn, on her website, and on Clubhouse. I'm speaking, of course, about Ms. Shvinya Wachtel of Digital Coffee Break and Arbitration, or DCBA. Shvinya, like many of our guests, has carved out her own special niche by being authentic and active around the community and an advocate for greater inclusion, transparency, and opportunity. DCBA regularly promotes perspectives from around the field, and they also have some really dope mugs. I gotta get me one of those. In any event, Shvinya and I had a great conversation and an episode filled with laughter and a ton of shout-outs. So, sit back, grab your cup of digital coffee, and enjoy my conversation with Shvinya Wachtel. And we'll see you on the other side of the show. Hello and welcome back to Tales of the Tribunal with Chris Campbell. I'm your host, Chris Campbell, here to tell you another tale, another story from around the wide, wide world of international law and dispute resolution. With me today, I've got a friend of the show and someone who is a content creator in her own right. I'm speaking today, of course, of Miss Shvinya Wachtel. And she will correct, correct me on that pronunciation if that is not correct. And she is the founder of the Digital Coffee Break and Arbitration, and she's an international arbitration lawyer. Shvinya, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited. And I know that my name is pretty difficult for everyone. Uh, I'll just say it. Um, it's Svenja Wachtel, but feel free to call me whatever you want to. I've been called so many names, and I react most of the times by now. 
Sure. No, we're going to aim to try and get it right, though. But uh, but do bear with uh, the, this southern drawl trying to, to understand it properly. Um, <laughs> but, but nevertheless, Shvinya, so welcome to the show. Um, I've given the listeners at home just a brief two sentences about you. But we'd like to know the questions that we start every interview with. Who are you? Where are you from? What do the people need to know? Okay, so I'm Svenja. I am from Lübeck, which is a cute little town in the north of Germany. Uh, and what people need to know, uh, I'm Scots by heart. So I'm really just, I'm probably a Glaswegian by heart. I love Glasgow in Scotland, I guess. That's what people should know about me. Wow, okay. So, so tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, how uh, does the Scott at heart end up in Germany? I mean, is that, you know, get, take us down that route. Uh, so I, I learned about Scotland when I uh, started working. I worked with Cody, a cosmetic company. They have Davidoff, Susanna, Calvin Klein, all those different kinds of fragrances. And mm. um, we had a counterfeit case in Scotland. And I really loved our lawyers there. They were so friendly, so nice. I love the accent. And then I did part of my legal internship in Scotland and I immediately fell in love with the people and the culture and the food. I do love the food. Um, it's, it's quite delicious. There's nothing as good as a perfectly done haggis. And I'm a foodie, by the way. So if people want to know more about me, I'm a foodie. And uh, I have friends and I try to go back three, four times a year. And I cannot wait for Scotland to open again after the pandemic and see a one okay yeah i gotta say look you know you and i've been talking uh for a while now and i had no idea about that. that that's very cool very interesting um okay uh take us down the road a little bit further um t what about law school i mean what what made you become a lawyer you know did you wake up one day and know that you wanted to to work in international law i mean tell, tell us about that no no i did not i uh i it's a bit embarrassing because I didn't know what I want to do when I would be a grown-up. And I thought, hmm, if I study law, I could probably become everything. I could become a judge or a lawyer or I could work in-house or I could work with a company. And I thought, so the world is open if I, I study law. So, But I never thought about I want to become a lawyer um, or an international arbitration lawyer. It was just um, by luck, I would say. And there is nobody in my family who is a lawyer. There's actually nobody in my entire family who ever visited law school or uh, not law school, just university in general, or who had a higher education. So I was the first one who went to, to school, uh, which allowed you to go to university. So I had no role model in the family and I had nobody where I could say, oh, that looks like fun. So I just decided to go with something, something that might open the world to me and and that was law and i quite enjoy it i have to say yeah um it sounds like it I mean, and i guess you know so that you know you made an interesting uh, point just a few moments ago that um that there were a number of routes open to you i mean um what was that next connection like i mean what was the, the was there a single moment or something in particular or was it kind of just um happenstance you mean starting a law school or becoming a lawyer? Both. Um, well, start, no. Basically both, the answer to both is no. Um, so I just, I just stumbled into things. I, I met people on my way. Uh, for example, I started working as a legal counsel for, for Cody, as I mentioned before. 
And well, how this started is I needed to work part time while I was in law school and I worked um, in uh, kind of a supermarket for the perfume store, the perfume store. And uh, one of my friends, they had their annual meeting and I said, "Ooh, they might have um, a legal team. Maybe you can just ask them. And she was also a salesperson, what I, what I was. I was a salesperson at the time. And um, she, luckily for me, she sat next to the CEO. And she was so bold, like, oh, do we have a legal team? Because a friend of mine, she's studying law and she wants to do an internship. And he said, yeah, sure, sure. She shall just send her a CV. And I decided to send him my CV. And he just forwarded it to someone. And they had to take me <laughs> for some reason. Because oh. the CEO said, well, it's just a couple of weeks, just an internship. Um, and I enjoyed it. And uh, they liked my work. So I stayed there for two years in, in total. And that's uh, how I started um, with IP work, with counterfeits around the world. That's how I got my first um, interaction with Scotland. And then just one thing led to another. And, and now here I am. Um, Lawyer with Wilkie Far Gallagher. I just recently joined them in April, so I'm I'm really excited about this new role. I have a great team. There's so much I can do. They are building the arbitration practice, so I'm I'm really excited where I am right now. Well, sure, no, I mean, and that that's exciting. One of the things that we discussed um, getting ready for this interview uh, was that uh, your your recent um, joining up with Wilkie, and I, I'd love to hear more about the work that they have you doing. And um, and kind of what your specialties are there, but we'll we'll come back to that in just a little bit, um, Shvenya. Um, so um, one thing that I do uh, want to ask you before we jump right into to the digital coffee break is you also are one of the first movers in this whole uh, clubhouse sort of revolution we've been seeing. How did that happen? Can you tell us about what in the world one what is clubhouse and two what you've been doing there uh, most recently? Because I think it's really interesting. Yeah, the question is really good. Like what in the world is Clubhouse. Um, so I, on LinkedIn, I saw people talking about Clubhouse and my initial reaction was, what are they talking about? So I Googled it and I had no clue. And then I um, sent Sneha WhatsApp. Uh, Sneha works for Youth Mundi and she is one of my, uh, I call them like new Corona friends, friends I met during Corona, but never met in person yet. And I hope to change this soon. And I asked her, I said, do you have any idea what this clubhouse is? And she said, no, I don't know. And we are talking, is this a thing? Should we start this? Is this important? And I asked on LinkedIn, like, people, do you think we should do something arbitration on clubhouse? And I would say the overwhelming response was, no, we don't need it. So I had, I think, 80% saying it's not necessary and 20 like, yeah, sure, we should do it. And then Sneha and I decided to just give it a go and start an arbitration happy hour. I said, well, there's nothing to lose. We'll just give it a try if nobody's showing up. It's just the two of us chatting like we always do. And if there are more people, then we meet more people. And um, then it turned out to be a thing. So now we host the arbitration happy hour every Thursday, 6 p.m. Um, Berlin time. We invite a special guest. So the special guest is talking to us about a certain topic. We had cannabis arbitration. Last week we had wine arbitration. Um, and it's basically an audio chat. So everyone, there's no registration required. Everyone can join in uh, for 10 minutes for the entire time, for five minutes, whatever. He or she uh, wants to listen in. They can ask questions. And we talk about a certain topic related to arbitration and just enjoy an arbitration happy hour. 
So that's that's the idea behind it. And now we are in week 15 already. Wow, week 15. And so do you think, I mean, is this something that you imagine will go in perpetuity? Um, do you think you'll change up the host at some point? I mean, what, what, where, how do you see this playing out um, as it goes to the clubhouse community? So we haven't decided yet, but it looks like we're having a summer break because we don't think that people want to lay on the beach or to be finally able to go to restaurants and, and listen in, tuning in. So we might just have a summer break and then we will just keep going and see if we amend the show, if we have more speakers, if we have more hosts. We also have the club international arbitration and everyone who wants to start a discussion or host a room can use this club and immediately more than uh, 1,300 people will be notified that there is a discussion about arbitration. So we kind of want this to be a club that's used by everyone and not just us, so that the entire arbitration community who is interested in this kind of kind of tool, kind of conversation can use it, um, and and many people can connect and just exchange thoughts on a very casual basis. So there's no need to get dressed up like in Zoom. You can cook, you can prepare food, you can sit in the bus. There's just, it's so laid back and casual. I think this is something novel. And I've just heard that they finally opened it up to Android users because for the last <laughs> couple of months, it was only available for Apple. And I was not happy with this uh, selection of um, users, but they opened it up. So I think this gives them a new boost. Yeah, sure. And so, I mean, there, it sounds like what you guys are, are have created is more or less a true clubhouse. <laughs> all right, that's the only bad pun uh, so far. We'll, we'll see, I'm doing all right for this episode. Uh, <laughs> no, that, that's really cool. Um, hats off to, um, to, uh, to, to you and Sinead Hoffer for leading the charge there. So one other thing, and, and this is again asking you to kind of define what, what this uh, second initiative is, um, digital coffee break and arbitration. Tell us about it. I mean, I, as a non-coffee drinker, thought that, you know, non-coffee drinkers maybe couldn't join at first, but it sounds like it's something that's digital and that anyone can participate regardless of whether or not you <laughs> prefer tea over coffee. Well, I will tell your listeners a secret. You don't drink coffee, but you like a hot chocolate milk, if, if I'm right. What? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the thing is, um, I started the digital coffee break in arbitration prior to the pandemic. So um, I think I just found the right moment. And the thought behind this was um, that I think arbitration is perfect to make use of technology, like hosting a webinar or just doing conferences online, things like this. And whenever I talk to arbitration practitioners, everyone has one special tool, like next, the appendices to other issues or something. So everyone has some tools. And I thought, like, hmm, why isn't there anything that connects everything, that gives all the information out? So everyone can just pick what they like, what they think is interesting. And um, it started as an interview series. I started to interview practitioners, counsel, arbitrators, um, in-house lawyers, just everyone who is related to arbitration or some connection to arbitration and ask them about certain tools. For example, the last recovery break in arbitration interview I did with Lucy Greenwood from the Campaign for Green Arbitrations. And I asked yeah. her about 
um, how she come up with this idea and uh, what is the reasoning behind it, where she wants to go with her initiative, what are the goals, what is um, the purpose, whether she hopes to, to end up in, in some years or months. And um, I started this with the interview series and, and people liked it. And during the pandemic in the beginning, I then uh, decided to start a LinkedIn page and just to post some webinars related to digital transformation, arbitration, and um, it just started to grow because I had no plans. It's pretty much the same like arbitration happy hour. I, I try to do it, and if it's not working, well, then at least I tried, or I can amend it, or it works. So, and, and it started to work, so people liked it. And now I'm, I'm posting webinars I think are interesting. I post articles to people, send me articles related to international arbitration and want me to post this and to promote this, I'm, I am happily doing this. Uh, I also uh, like to promote um, initiatives, for example, real. I'm very, very passionate when it comes to um, diversity in all aspects. Sorry, um, you're going to be playing the definer today on this week's <laughs> episode. Um, tell, tell the folks at home what real is about. We've mentioned okay. it on episodes before. But if, uh, if you want to give just a brief recap from your view on um, what REAL is as you're, as you're super involved with that. Sure, yeah. I should maybe say REAL stands for Racial Equality for Arbitration Lawyers. Um, and uh, you, you are probably well more equipped and better equipped than I am to talk about REAL. But it's, um, the idea is to have access uh, um, for, for everyone, to have um, education for everyone in the field of international arbitration or general arbitration and reach the point of having equality by different means. Real also offers um, scholarships so and um, they span the entire globe, what, what I like a lot. It's not just for, for women in arbitration. I'm also a member of Arbitral Women and I like this a lot, but Real is broader to my understanding, it just has more more aspects of arbitration, and I understand that it's racial equality for arbitration lawyers. And um, I think that there are so many underrepresented uh, individuals in the world of international arbitration. It's not just um, gender diversity; we have um, racial diversity. We have um, the the background where people are coming from. Are they coming from um, generations of lawyers or are they just first-time lawyers like there are so many different parts that um, that are important and relevant and I think to to combine this um, this is what I'm really passionate about and real is um, one one part of this where I'm really active and engaged well sure and I think that last point is something that's really important too to Sometimes when people think um, about gender diversity or think about diversity and inclusion, their minds will immediately go to gender or even, you know, maybe on a very surface level, just ethnicity. Um, but it is so much deeper than that. When you consider um, age, ability, um, orientation, um, background, all of those types of things are important elements of the conversation. And so not fixating on one particular thing and that being the one definition of diversity, I think, is really important. Exactly. And I'm, I'm very happy. It's the first time I can announce this because I have been asked to be a committee member of the Young Thailand Arbitration Center. And oh. um, I was very, 
very um, delighted and happy and surprised that they, they asked me and, and considered me doing this. Um, and uh, the thing is, why I like this so much is because um, I have not been exposed to the culture in Thailand. I have to admit, I'm pretty sure I will make many, many cultural mistakes. And I apologize in advance saying, I'm, I'm so sorry if I do something that's inappropriate in your culture. I really try my best, but please let me know. So this gives me the opportunity to learn more about different cultures, different legal systems, to understand more. But also, I think what I can bring in is like the the German perspective with a background. I have an LLM from Columbia Law School, also with an American background, just this international sphere. So I think it's important, although I'm I'm not Thai, um, that uh, there are different people from different parts of the world with different legal backgrounds. Um, and I believe, I, I strongly believe that uh, we all can learn from each other um, if we are open. And if we also, if people do make mistakes, say, well, this, you shouldn't have said this. Well, just tell them why and they can learn. Don't assume they are saying this because they are always ignorant or just because they don't care. Some people might be ignorant and some people just didn't know this particular part. So um, I, I hope people will forgive me for the mistakes I, I made and for the mistakes I will probably make in my entire life when I, um, when I will be in situations where I'm not sure how to react. And I might react wrongly. Well, sure, and I think, that, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think there's a lot about just going with the spirit of humility and understanding that no one is perfect and that anytime you're meeting a new culture, there are always gonna be those, uh, those cultural niceties and things that you gotta learn in order to make sure that you're, you're, you're playing playing these niceties well yeah yeah so okay well that's fair enough and congratulations on that by the way um you know that that's a great um announcement we're glad to have broke that news first here on the show um yes, yes. <laughs> you know one thing that i would ask further um kind of thinking about this idea of content creation in our industry is that there over the past year there has been an absolute explosion of content creation in the webinar, podcast, series space. And so, you know, I've got a couple of questions here, but the first one I think is, what do you think some of the keys to a successful series or being a content creator are in international dispute resolution, um, kind of just in a general sense? I think you need to listen to what people are saying. Um, so if you want to, I think content creator sounds so much like an influencer. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> if you want your initiative to be successful, you need first to understand whether there is a need. Is there actually a need for, let's say, if somebody wants to do a new podcast in arbitration? We have you with Tales of the Tribunal. Uh, we have the arbitration station. I think there is another podcast. I can't I can't remember the name, but it is like a blue logo. Um, and uh, do we need another podcast? So if you want to create a new podcast, you need to know what is the need of the people. Do they want a podcast? And if so, what kind of podcast do they want? You can't just copy and paste. You need to come up with something new, and then 
you must be able to adapt. You must be able to like, okay, so maybe this didn't go so well, so I will just change this or I will evolve. So you have to constantly update um, and, and question what you're doing. So it's kind of like a certain evolvement all the time. And uh, I guess that's, that's one, one issue, one very important issue. And um, the second is, which probably more important is, you just have to try. You just have to give it a try. If it's not working, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. It means that either you have to maybe amend a little bit here or there, or maybe the time was right, or maybe you have to change something in the format, um, or maybe you choose the, just something wrong topic. So um, I think people should just give it a try. And because every time you do it, you learn something. Every single time there's something new you learn. So I can just encourage everyone to look what's out there. And if you have the opportunity to ask for feedback, ask someone who did it. So for example, now to all the future podcasters, I tell everyone go and uh, go to Chris and ask him, so what kind of mic do you use? What should I do? How should I do it? What's important? What happened to you? Can I learn from you? So I think you should just reach out to people who, who did it and just ask for their advice and or also run ideas with friends. For example, and now I'm talking a little bit about, I, please stop me, arbitration idol. And this just, started with an idea. So it means you, uh, Chris, um, Mandy from Careers and Arbitration and I, um, we had this idea last year at the beginning of the pandemic to connect people who normally don't connect. And we were just talking about the idea, how can we do this? And by talking about this, we finally came up with um, Arbitration Idol. And basically we are in season two now. And uh, what it is, um, we have uh, 12 arbitration idols. We call them arbitration idols. Play with the words from American Idol. Um, we call them arbitration idols. They are um, practitioners from around the world. Uh, and they um, kindly um, donate 30 minutes of their time to have a one-on-one -on -one, um, digital coffee break with someone. And this someone could be everyone. It could be everyone who joins because we simply ask everyone who wants to join to donate and a euro, a dollar, a pound and more, of course, we always take more to donate the money. Um, and then there will be a draw and everyone can win. And the entire money goes 100% to UNICEF. So we are having the, the, it's for a good cause, it's for UNICEF. We, uh, everyone has the opportunity, last year everyone could, for example, um, meet Gabrielle Kaufmann-Cola or Gary Bourne. And normally when you are a student from India, Africa, you, you don't have the means of talking to Gabrielle Kaufmann-Cola for 30 minutes and she takes this time out of her very busy schedule to talk to you, to give you guidance, to listen to you, to share her thoughts. And I think, um, this is something, it started as an idea and the three of us were talking about it and talking more and more and more and then it happened and it was successful and we are doing it again. So I think talking to others is important um, and, and doing it with others, not doing it all on your own. You can't do everything on your own. It's impossible. Just always ask others for help and also help others. When others come to you and ask you for something, just 
be kind, um, have an ear, then I might know someone who might be able to help you. Let me reach out to this person. Just connect people. So I think if you want to be successful, you have to connect with people, you have to listen, and then you have to act. It was a very long one I was just saying. Sorry, I'm just <laughs> talking. <laughs> no, no, you, and you, you read my mind because I was going to ask you, hey, tell us what Arbitration Idol is. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, that, that, that's well said. And um, we're definitely excited to get that going. Um, you know, we've got some of the, quote, idols um, signed up already. And so we'll be rolling that out here over the next um, few weeks. And, you know, the goal um, in the planning stages and for listeners that may have missed out on season one, uh, it was to, to, to launch the contest and finish it um, all before uh, August, because uh, I think everywhere around the world, especially last year, people just kind of um, during August really want to, you know, turn off their screens and sort of enjoy wherever it is they are in the world for that period of time. So um, stay tuned for what's coming next there. Um, Shvenya, we talked about a number of of initiatives and topics that have come out of the past year. Um, we we kind of focused on podcasts a little bit, but um, you know, for this next question, any initiative, I'd be curious to know what have been some of your favorites, some of the ones that you uh, really like um, that you've seen things from. I understand it's not all inclusive. You're not saying every single one, but some of the ones that kind of stick out <laughs> in your mind. Okay, I hope I'm not forgetting some. I really like my arbitration from Victoria. Yes. This is new and it's fresh and it's a short and crisp format. It's just a short video of six, seven, eight minutes. And um, she is doing it in such a great and professional way. And uh, I like this one a lot. Huge fan of it. Everyone who um, doesn't know it should just check it out. It's also on LinkedIn, my arbitration, short videos. Um, so this one, I also liked a lot Africa in the Mood. So a good friend of mine from, from Munich, Michael Witzerek, uh, he and his co-founders have this new initiative called Africa in the Mood. And um, the reasoning, well, at least what he told me, the reasoning is that when we're looking at the Witzmood, we have basically every university, for example, in Germany has a team, every single university with so many German teams. And then you look to uh, Africa, and you would expect, well, that's a huge country. They must have at least 500 teams. But I think they had not, oh, I don't know the numbers. I think not even 10 teams. So, um, and this is something that uh, the initiative Africa in the Mood um, addresses and wants to change. They um, would love everyone to join. So um, nowadays it's so much easier, for example, to be a coach because you can become a coach remotely. You don't have to be in Africa. You can everything. You can do everything online. You, um, you can uh, coach them. You can also, of course, you can donate money. So if, um, if it's not online anymore, that um, some universities can fly to Vienna because this is expensive, um, flying, to, flying an entire team to Vienna and the accommodation, and then you go out for drinks, and then you go out for dinner, and then you want to buy souvenirs and all things. It's just so expensive in total. Um, so this is an initiative I think that is really important, and uh, it's also um, part of what I like about real. It's just uh, trying to to have um, underrepresented groups and, and, and people and bring them in and, and open up the world of international arbitration because I really love international arbitration because of the people. The people who are doing this kind of work, uh, most of them 
are interested in other cultures, in other people. It's really, really international if you want it to be. You can meet friends. It's um, Of course, we are sitting on different sides. We have a counter for claimants, counter for respondents, um, sometimes you're an arbitrator. But in the end, it's it's still a group of people I really like, and I really like working in this environment. And for me, it's just perfect. And I want more people to participate, people who hadn't had the chance before. And this is what um, Africa and the Mood is about giving people the chance to join this great community. Sure. No, and that, that that's great. And those are all uh, great initiatives that you just mentioned. So definitely tips of the cap to them. We'll, we'll tag them in the show notes um, when, when this episode airs. Um, shifting from this topic just a little bit, um, it's just a matter of practicality and curiosity. Do you think, you know, again, we've seen a, a bunch, you know, dozens probably, have sprung up here over the past year. Do you think we'll continue to see that trend once people can go back outside, or or do you think it'll kind of level off and uh, we'll see to something some more similar to what was uh, occurring before? Well, of course, as soon as we can all go out, uh, we will first. We have to catch up with meeting all the people we met online. So <laughs> I'm I'm on my way to Portugal as soon as possible to have a coffee or hot chocolate with you <laughs> somewhere. Um, I, I have to go to London and meet Mandy. I haven't met Mandy yet. I can't believe I haven't met her yet. So there are so wow, many people yeah. I now want to see in Paris. I want to meet Sneha in Paris. So um, I think we are all happy the second it, it goes back to, well, let's say normal, um, we, we will enjoy this. Nonetheless, I think we have seen now the benefits of doing things online and connecting online. And um, I believe that these initiatives, they are made very often also for younger folks who don't have the means to travel and they will stay. I believe the initiatives will stay. They might change a bit and, and adjust to, um, different, um, to different situations we have. For example, my arbitration, I, I think that Victoria is not doing the, the videos online, but in person. So it's just like, okay, now we can meet again. So now we're doing it in person and not online. These kind of things. I think you and I uh, wouldn't do it online, but I would say, well, I'll just go to Lisbon anyways, wanted to go there for a weekend and then we can do the podcast, things like this. So it, it yeah. won't be completely different, I think. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, uh, as listeners will have heard me say a number of times, or at least a handful of times, um, one of the things that we really were intentional about in season one of this show where we're doing all of our interviews in person. And so uh, season two, that obviously was impossible. Season three will likely be mostly uh, remote again, but season four, yeah, we might have to, uh, you know, get some of these uh, face-to-face interviews uh, going back again. So that, that, that's that's good to know. So I guess the next thing that I guess I'm curious about, um, and it's still talking about um, DCA to some extent, is what have been some of your favorite, I guess, just moments um, throughout the, the course of putting together um, that initiative. Um, anything in particular that sticks out in your mind? Um, it's not some, well, I would say meeting new people. Getting yeah. to know new people, learning from them, um, seeing how they um, attack a, a problem, a technical problem, an issue, 
uh, understanding where they are coming from. Um, this is my personal, I think, definitely best thing that happened. Yeah, just meeting, I, I like meeting new people. So I guess this is, that's it, yeah. Sure, no, that's fair enough. Um, and, and going along those same lines, um, as it goes to, uh, to DCA, what have been some of the challenges that you have faced in, in creating the um, creating your content? I mean, you, you post on a pretty regular basis. Have there been any obstacles or things that you've run into? Um, for example, one obstacle that just happened is uh, I, I misunderstood something. We currently have um, London uh, Dispute Week, and there is this great webinar from the uh, very young London arbitration lawyers. I hope this was yeah. correct. Um, and I just posted, yeah, this is part of the London Dispute Week. And then they sent me a message like, oh, no, we're not part of it. It was like, oh, my gosh. So things like, oops, I, I misunderstood so far. Nobody was angry with me, so I just deleted this, this tiny sentence. Um, so this happened. And um, in the beginning, I was very careful to post articles I found interesting without the consent of people. Well, of course, the articles were public before. So, um, and now I realize, or just webinars, um, and now I realize people are, are thankful because people do not like to promote themselves. The only, well, there are some, but very often um, I say, okay, look at this. We have like the great um, panel of speakers and this is the topic, so great, and I check them. And, um, and they reach out privately saying, oh, thank you so much for doing this. And I said, sure, but um, please, whenever you have something you want me to post, just let me know. And it's not like um, I'm doing you a favor, everyone is doing me a favor because then I don't have to go through the internet and check out new webinars. So it makes my life so much easier. So don't, uh, to everyone out there, don't be shy and send me things you want me to post. Just, just send me things. And um, it's less work for me. So I'm, it's like a win-win situation, I would say. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, and, and I think we all have, if you're doing any sort of regular posting or content generation, then yeah, uh, there are going to be moments where you have to make a minor edit or, you know, uh, amend or up update something you may have said previously. Um, you know, not that it has been yeah. an issue for the show in particular, but one thing um, that, we, that we've recently added this season um, and also for Disputes Digest is the, the sort of like a legal disclaimer at the end of the show that, <laughs> that, that nothing that's being said is legal advice. And merely because someone is appearing on my show doesn't mean that... Uh, they're appearing so on anything but an arm's length basis. You know, that doesn't mean that they're on the payroll from us or, or anything like that. <laughs> You're not paying me? Wait a second. <laughs> oh, ah, see, gotcha. Interview's over. What? Okay. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I, my invoice has been prepared already, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, 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 yeah, I mean, you know, um, those are, that's a real um, sort of topic that's come up in the field, and I think um, something that will probably be discussed a lot more and uh, might even warrant, you know, a, a clear blog, blog post or, something similar because you, you see uh, counsel sometimes levying these sorts of accusations at content creators saying that, oh, well, you had an interview with um, so-and-so, and so that person is now forever biased anytime <laughs> that they would sit as an arbitrator. <laughs> yeah, that would be, ooh. Well, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, what that would mean is, of course, then I'd be, you know, hampering myself with every uh, guest that we have on the show. So, um, but I, I digress. 
Um, what, what, you know, this is the final question that I sort of have about, um, about the digital copy break and arbitration. And I, I guess it's one that's asking you to look into the future a little bit. Where do you see this ultimately going? And what's your goal for, for this initiative, um, if you've kind of thought about it in such terms? Um, so in the beginning, I just thought to, I, I hope to create some interesting articles and posters articles and now i i really hope that the digital coffee break in arbitration will um will do it's all by very tiny but nonetheless small part of um helping to make the international arbitration community more diverse through different means once because um i really want to keep posting and promoting initiatives like real um, like Africa and the Mood, things like this, to, to raise awareness for this. Um, and uh, I also want people to be less afraid of using technology in arbitration and understanding how much technology can, can help make your life easier um, in, in arbitration. And not only um, as a student level when you want to attend webinars or attend Arbitration Idol, but also when you are a practitioner or a senior practitioner, when you read the interview with Lucy Greenwood and you understand, okay, so there's so much out there I can do. There are the greener protocols, like um, awareness, uh, what is out there, and then um, being open to use the things. Uh, these are the two, two main issues for me my main hopes to how, how this will evolve in the future. Well, sure. And, and actually staying right there with one of the last things that you said, um, as it goes to things that can be done, um, I guess in a more proactive fashion as it goes to technology or just topics of importance in the field, um, what are some of the things that you think could be better utilized in the practice of international dispute resolution? You mean from the technology perspective? Yes. Or um i well I, I think a year ago i would have said can we please use video conferencing i think now we all know how to do this um something sure. that, that also changed a lot throughout the last year is um printing of documents oh my gosh like those one <laughs> so binder after another oh yes so, yes so many trees um and uh so this could this has been reduced, I think, significantly throughout the last year. Um, and if we're looking to the future, I, I, I don't know when and how and if, but I do see things like um, hologram arbitrators. So why not? Why don't we have at some point, not just just a face, but a hologram, things like this. So, um, and it, it sounds like very science fiction-y, um, but I, I do think that we are getting there in the future at some point. Okay. Well, leaving, uh, you know, these types of things uh, aside for now, um, as we kind of shift focus just a bit. So you mentioned at the outset, I said we'd come back to it. And so here we are. Um, you've joined a new law firm at Wilkie Farr. What type of work are they having, okay. having you do there? Um, can you tell us more about uh, the things you're having, they're having you work on? So since I just joined a couple of weeks ago, and not not very long, actually, um, so the the team is um, rather small yet. We have uh, six attorneys 
Um, and they just, we all started within the last 12 months. So we are currently building the uh, dispute practice. We are doing, obviously, international arbitration. We are doing commercial litigation. Um, my focus is um, on very much post-M&A arbitration. I'm, I'm doing lots of post-M&A guarantee questions, warranty questions, um, tax questions, everything that's related to post-M&A deal. Uh, and I'm doing lots of commercial work. So I'm, I'm interested to see where this is going. And um, you should ask me in a year when I had a full year of work with Wilkie, when I said, oh my gosh, I'm doing this, what I never expected. So um, I'm looking forward to very interesting new cases. Sure. And, um, and maybe this is a slight offshoot of that same question. Um, are there any sorts of areas of expertise um, that, that where you had a lot of experience or that you'd like to, I think, uh, develop sort of your practice in? So um, obviously, well, it comes with a digital coffee break and arbitration. Everything that's um, connected to the technology sector, I'm, I'm doing a lot there. Um, I uh, had some stuff in the food, food um, sector, automotive sector, banking sector, these kind of things, but not a specific sector. Like I'm, I'm just doing uh, oil and gas, for example. Um, so there are. We, we don't have at, at Wilkie, at least to my understanding, again, still very new, we don't have just one sector where we um, focus in particular. Okay. Well, no, that, that's good to know. And so we'll keep an eye out on, on, on your development in that space. Okay. Um, okay. Some more, some more fun questions, not, not so much law related. Um, <laughs> now the good questions. Yay. <laughs> right. Well, and, and some of this, you know, it's a transition. We have a little bit of a, a segue question before we get into the really, you know, in the weeds questions. And the first one is, um, so as your career has been developing, did you have any role models or mentors or any forces of influence that kind of pushed you down the, the, the path that you've chosen? You kind of, I think you kind of referenced it a little bit in your opening, but I'd be curious to know more on that. I think forces of influence sounds good. I, I do have some forces of influence because I um, I met people along the line in my life that influenced me and, and, and forced me to uh, question what I'm doing, if I still like it or not. Um, and I have friends who support me. Uh, for example, like two friends who um, come in mind, um, we, the three of us worked in, um, at Reed Smith before together, um, is uh, Christina Nietzsche and uh, my other friend, uh, Claudia, oh, that's a difficult name, Kuslushny. <laughs> she is with Norton Rose. And um, the three of us are just um, exchanging thoughts constantly, uh, although we are in different areas of law. Now we have investigation, uh, employment, and international arbitration. So we, we have different areas, which is interesting because we always have an outsider perspective. But it's good. So when I thought about, for example, starting digital coffee break and arbitration, I uh, asked them. I said, well, what do you think? Is this a good idea or not? Um, and, and they are honest. They tell me, okay, Svenja, um, no, you, you cannot do this for whatever reason. And um, I think that's, that's good to have people like them who tell you in your face, you're absolutely wrong. Don't do this. Um, and, and I'm not offended. If they, I prefer people, to be honest, um, and say, nah, mm, 
no, don't like it instead of, oh yeah, that's good, mm, good. And then they just like, oh, I don't like it. So I think you can only grow as people give you feedback that um, might uh, sound harsh uh, and it, it might hurt because you think you have such a great idea and then people say, no, it's not. Um, but uh, talking to, to people, especially these two, helpful and my i have to say very good friend um sandra gröschel she is doing litigation arbitration too um she is fantastic and has been fantastic as a sounding board and has been very supportive throughout the last years so it's important to have people you trust and people who believe in you around you yeah no i think that that's right and um that, that's a great perspective to have about it okay here is some of my favorite questions that I like to ask as we sort of wrap up the conversation. What are you reading right now? What's, what, what books are on your shelf? I'm, I'm reading many books at the same time, all the time. I, I cannot read just one book. So okay. I, I have always a few um, cooking books. Like one of my favorite currently is the Otto Lenghi Flavor Cookbook. And it's not just a cookbook, it's not just recipes. So there are four different chapters and um, each chapter has introduction of six, seven, eight pages about the kind of style on how you work with uh, different kinds of food and whether it's spicy or not. So this is interesting. I am also reading currently um, the lectures of uh, Lola Montez. I'm not sure if you are aware of Lola Montez. Um, no, her, 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 her real name is uh, I, I, I'm not sure. How, it's kind of like Eliza Gilbert, I think, and she was the Countess of Lansford. She was an Irish dancer and actress and was born in uh, 1820-something. And she was the mistress of uh, King Ludwig of Bavaria, where I currently live. And um, she was just such an interesting character because she kind of... Uh, told everyone that she was from Spain and her name was Lola Montes and she became the mistress of the king and um, people either loved her or hated her. Uh, and um, during the revolution um, of 1848, she had to leave Munich and she went to Austria at some point and then to New York. Uh, she died in Brooklyn pretty young, I think, 39. But her entire story, I just recommend uh, everyone who's interested in history, just Google her, Lola Montez. Interesting story. I, I really like her. Sure. So I'm reading this okay. book. Uh, I'm also reading, rereading again. I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd. I'm rereading Harry Potter again. Um, okay, so... now that makes a very important question. What house are you? Well, what do you think? What do I think? Oh, well, yeah. I thought I was the one asking the questions. And I, 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 I wouldn't know. You, you'd be the one best to tell me what the Sorting House said for you. Sorting I'm, I'm a Slytherin. I'm a Slytherin. Slytherin, Slytherin by mm. heart. Yes, definitely mm. a Slytherin. <laughs> mm. Mm -mm -mm. You know, as a Gryffindor, I don't know if I can condone all of this, you know, Slytherin uh, pride here on the, the oh, podcast. Oh, no, the Gryffindors. Don't, don't get me started on this. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you're reading. What book are you on? Uh, it's the second. It's the Shame of Secrets. And the reason why I'm reading it again is because my um, childhood friend's daughter, she is 
uh, 12 years old and she started uh, learning English two and a half years ago. And it was a bit difficult during the, the pandemic to learn English and talk English. So the two of us um, are having a video chat twice a week for 60 minutes. And um, each time we prepare the lesson with reading one chapter. And then she is summarizing the chapter and we are talking about the chapter. So because she likes Harry Potter as much as I do. So it's kind of like her learning to talk English and not being shy about talking English. Um, and I got the opportunity and excuse to reread it again. <laughs> so we are now nearly done with the second book. And um, in two weeks, we are going to start with the third book. Kind of a teaching experience when reading it again. Okay. No, that, that that's great. That, that is a great way to learn. Um, so that's a very uh, uh, interesting and fun little uh, quirk. Cool. Um, how about music? Uh, what kind of music are you into? Heavy metal. Heavy metal. Okay. Yeah. Any particular bands yeah. or? Oh, well, like the the classic one. I do like Metallica, obviously, and um, Slayer, great band. Uh, and I'm not sure. Uh, if you know about um, Wacken, Wacken is the um, biggest heavy metal festival in the world. It's um, in Schleswig-Holstein, the, the area of Germany where I'm from. And it's, I think it's, they started in the 90s um, and it's always in August and there are so many people, like 70,000 people. It's fantastic. All couple of days everyone likes the same music very friendly very peaceful uh yeah i can i can recommend going there if people like heavy metal they know what i'm talking about okay no that, that that's good to know um along those same lines netflix are you watching anything interesting on netflix yeah because i started learning spanish um i am watching i'm watching la reina del sur uh, in Spanish with Spanish subtitles. I still need subtitles. Um, I just watched um, Quien Mató a Sara, uh, Who Killed Sarah. I just finished this and I think there should be a second season because they didn't, uh, because the last um, episode was over. I said, well, wait a second. Either I did not understand everything or there was a cliffhanger. So I think it was a cliffhanger. Um, so things like this. Yeah, Netflix. Okay. I like Netflix. <laughs> Muy bien. Love it. Um, okay. And let's see. So one of the things that has been critically important here over the past year has been that, um, you know, a lot of us have been working in front of screens, long days and the like. Um, how have you maintained your mental and physical health um, throughout the pandemic? I exercise a lot. I luckily have now the time to basically cook every single day, to cook and bake every single day, which means I have to exercise even more because otherwise um, we, we might have an issue here at some point. Um, and, uh, and I'm outside every day for at least an hour, an hour and a half. Not, not in one go, um, most like 45 minutes in the morning and in the afternoon just to be outside, no matter what kind of weather we have, to just move around, to breathe some fresh air. Um, yeah, important okay. to me, exercise, food, and walking around. Oh, that's very cool. Um, 
Okay. No, that that's good. And I think that, yeah, you, you kind of are able to take every mental and physical health um, in both ways there. Um, now, as we're getting to the last couple of questions here, Savinia, um, if you were approached by a current student or recent graduate or someone looking to break into the field of international dispute resolution, what advice would you give them to prepare them? Um, one is to definitely join one of the young networks. I mean, there's the young ICA network. Um, there is now on, on Clubhouse, I saw, there's also, uh, I think, the Young International Arbitration Lawyers. I, I think that was the name. Just to join your peer groups and exchange thoughts if you have the possibility. Um, also do one of the various mood cards that are out there so you get a better feeling if this is really the right area for you. You also get to know more people um, and um, network. Network as much as you can. I know it's difficult nowadays, but you have nothing to lose. That's why I tell everyone. If you reach out to someone, uh, for example, on LinkedIn, and do it in a professional way. Do not reach out and say, hi, I'm a student. Do you have an internship? Just reach out and say, hi, I'm a student here. I saw you're doing chaos at the tribunal. Really uh, liked it. Uh, would be glad to be connected or something. Or maybe you have five minutes. Or can I ask you a question about? And then you have a certain specific question. Don't just ask people, hi, can we talk? No, you have to do it in a, in a specific and certain way. But um, if you do it the right way, the worst that can happen on a professional network is that people say nothing. People will not, if you do it politely, people will not say no. How dare you? I've, that's just how, how could you reach out to me and tell me you like tales of the tribunal that you embarrass yourself. This is not going to happen. So the worst that happens is that people do not react. And 99%, I would say, of the time when people don't react is because they see the message. They get a phone call, they get another phone call, they write an email, and then they forgot about the message. So it's not even that people are mean. So just, just give it a try. Reach out to people, network, um, engage in what people are doing. And uh, did I forget something? No, I think these are like the, the core, um, core ideas I have. <laughs> no, sure. I think, that, I think that's fair enough. Um, okay. Absolute final question here. Um, it's 5 p.m. on a Friday and you somehow completely free, don't have any client work. Um, it's it's post-COVID times. How do you spend that weekend? Oh, let's circle back to my intro. I would hop on the plane and go to Scotland and <laughs> enjoy the Highlands or enjoy being with my friends, um, enjoy a deep fried Mars bar, things like this. Ah, no, that sounds uh, that sounds like a fantastic weekend. I think all of us are, especially in the international legal community, are, are itching to to be out on the open skies again. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I forgot there was one more sub question here. Anyone you want to give a shout out to? Any tips to the cap before we uh, get out of here? We've mentioned a, a number of names today, but uh, any folks you want to give a shout out to? We I, I tried to squeeze in everyone. Um, so I had the my arbitration, and um, I think. Oh, I hope I'm not forgetting someone. No, I think I tried to get in everyone I wanted to already. 
Okay, and and like I said, Sorry and about you, this. I think you can as well. This is not ex exhaustive, right? I mean, everyone, you know who exactly, you are. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I promise, I will hang up. I said, hang up. I said, no, I. Oh, I've got someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no problem. You know, has hands. Uh, basically, a shout out jointly from the two of us to everyone yes. that supports our initiatives. How about that? <laughs> good, good. Let's let's go with this one. Thank you. <laughs> well, Spinya. Um, you know, our time together has come to an end. Uh, this was a fun interview. It was great talking with you. And thank you for making yourself so available. And thank you for coming by. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm Svenja Wachtel, and there's no disputing it. You are listening to Tales of the Tribunal. Great. Thank you so much. And we will see y'all next time. Mm-hmm. And that is the digital coffee hashtag t on arbitration for this week i hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as i did having it my friendship with shvinya has definitely been one of the surprise delights during the pandemic lockdown and i'm glad we got to finally have her on the show and we look forward to collaborating with her in dcba more in the future don't forget no tot for the next two weeks while we take a mid-season break uh but we'll be right back at it in mid-June to bring you the rest of season three. Tales of the Tribunal is produced by MoBeta Solutions, and show music is done by Joshua and Jaden Campbell. Show interns are Matthew Cothran and Ramatulahi Jabba. Feedback and comments for the show can be sent to talesofthetribunal at gmail.com. Thanks to everyone again for all of your support. You make TOT what it is, and I can't wait to see what we've got next. That's it for this week. Don't forget to follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn. And there's no disputing it. You're listening to Tales of the Tribunal. None of the views shared on today or any episode of Tales of the Tribunal is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any person or party for their appearance on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees appear on an arm's length basis, and their appearances should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved. <music>